0: tired of the same old breakfast while the sweetness train's dining car has full helpings of the lollygaggers podcast in this episode justin goes wild escaping from a box while jeff contemplates what's harder the sun or jason statham's abs both lollygaggers then break down lost in space and end the night with the gentleman's challenge All right. Welcome to episode number four of the Lolly Gaggers podcast, a show that's going to cover all sorts of different geek topics, including video games, tabletop games, movies, comics, etc. I am one of your hosts, Jeff.
1: And I am your co host,
0: Justin. There we go. We just yeah. talked for a little bit before we recorded about establishing proper, what's happening. Yeah, like, yeah. what does it mean? Yeah. Because we were doing like other hosts, but
1: that sounded separate but equal, right? Right okay okay uh, anyway, let's go. Uh, what have you been up to yeah. jeff uh
0: okay uh so i played league of legends yesterday for the first time in like a month and i really haven't been playing much at all this year even though you and i have played it for i don't know six seven years however long it's been we I mean, go back though, to like even though it's a two.
1: free-to-play game we probably dumped maybe about a couple hundred bucks in it, collectively. I
0: consider it an investment, because one day I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going to retire. I'm going to sell my account and all of the skins.
1: I don't know if that works anymore. This isn't 2005 Uh, World of Warcraft. I don't think it works like uh, that anymore.
0: Oh, I know. Don't you think back, and like, man, I should have sold that account. I really should have. I really should have, too. Anyway, so I played some League of Legends, and I played it with our friend, Pat. We were playing some ARAMs, and I randomly got Draven, who's an AD carry, and... If you don't know anything about League of Legends, just know that an eighty carry it's all about kind of positioning and constantly moving around in a really proper way. You can't just like lumber into a fight, which is what I normally like to do. Uh, and I realized today that my arm hurts from playing League of Legends. I am sore. My my wrist and my hand it's are sore. Arthritis. Worried. The arthritis is getting you. It's going to catch you. Is it? I I hope it's yeah. not arthritis. I it's don't know. Catch you. It's pretty bad though. Like it's, I'm I'm sort of worried. Uh, but I don't know. What about you? What have you been doing?
1: Um, Nothing much. Uh, we're getting ready for testing for, for geometry in the state of Florida. So like uh, we've been just doing test prep and like it's life's a lot easier because I don't have to teach anything new. It's just reviewing the stuff the kids should already know. So it's more like on them now, not so much on me. Like I give them material and we go over it, but as a whole, like, it's pretty much within their ball court now. I've done everything I can. I got, at a certain point, I'd be like, I'm done. I tried yeah. my best. Yeah. So life's a little future, easier future now instruction wise. Yeah. Okay. I did whatever I could All do. right. Yeah. Anyways, what you've been up to this week, uh, All right. entertainment-wise? All right. So I
0: want to start off by talking about another uh,
1: kind of trip down memory lane
0: in the board game sphere uh, with my wife and I. So last episode, I talked a little bit about Terra Mystica, and that's one of the older games that we've had we've had it for a long time one of the first actually i think it's the first euro game that we ever purchased was a game called twa and it's a game that we still have we still play and we actually have the expansion for uh, it's a board game that was released initially in 2010 so it's an eight-year-old board game and by modern board gaming standards like with how quickly games are being released that's kind of ancient right so uh, but we still have it. It's pretty good. And it's also a game that's that's been missing from time to time because it's like in between print runs every now and then. Uh, it was originally published by uh, Pearl Games, but eventually it got published by Z-Man. And then I think Asmodee basically has it now because they have like every company. And it's it's finally kind of seeing its way back into like people's you know people's collections. Uh, so it's a Euro game. It involves a, a couple different mechanisms. It's got a little bit of area control, a little bit of worker placement sort of, uh, and a little bit of dry dice drafting sort of, and it's all kind of a little quirky. Uh, it all takes place within uh, the city of Troyes, which is a French city and it spans four centuries, which is basically just rounds and such. Um, and it has players that compete over control and influence of like three different domains within the city. One of them is the bishopric. So like the religious area, one of them is the military area. One of them's like the civic area. And over the course of a few rounds, uh, depending on you know, how many people are playing, I think the round, the, the total number of rounds change, uh, but players do all sorts of different things. They can, they roll and then they use the dice and then they can, by use them, I mean they can kind of use their own, they can purchase others, they also can manipulate it with different types of actions. And usually how, how you do that is, requires you to spend influence or it requires you to take one of the, someone else's die from like their specific district of the city, so during the game, you can contribute to building the city's cathedral. You can increase your influence. You can deal with various events that plague the city, like sieges and conscription and stuff like that. And these are all and those, those events can have a negative consequence on every player if they're not dealt with. You can hire and use traders. You can try to generate new coin, uh, manipulate dice, and just, just really collect victory points, find ways to, to collect victory points. And then after all of the dice, because there's a limited pool of dice and they can only be used once per round, once all of them have been used, all and or all players pass, like you start a new round, right? And the whole point of the game is you're trying to collect victory points. And one of the ways you do this is by these secret objective cards that are hand handed out to players at the beginning of the game. And so if you're if you know if you're playing with a two-player game, you get two of these. If you're playing with any higher counts, I think you only get one. And what these little objective cards do is they give you some sort of goal. Uh, Our so some objective to kind of complete and if you and how well you you complete that objective might result in a decent amount of victory points right so it kind of dictates a little bit of what your strategy is in the game so like one of these cards and they're all based on like upon a family line right might prioritize money so like if you have a bunch of money at the end of the game you get victory points for it others it might be, how how much have you built the cathedral and if you've done a lot of that then you get a lot of
1: victory points so it's variable as to how you can actually win the game pretty much
0: yeah but like you get victory points other ways this is just one of the ways you do it and in each game like you don't necessarily have all of the objective cards in the game and so sometimes there's slight variation um from one game to the next and the other cool thing about these secret objective cards is that um even though you have your own right like i can look at mine and it says coins right that's the coin one i'm gonna get you maybe you you and i are playing You have one that says you need to deal with event cards. Okay. Even though we each have our own, we can actually score off the others because they're in play. And this sort of dictates some of your strategy. Meaning if I am just constantly collecting coins, it's going to become pretty apparent to you by my hoarding of money that it's likely I have the coin objective. Whereas if you're just nonstop taking event cards, then it's going to become kind of like, kind of known to me that maybe the event cards in play. And so that gives me some idea that like, not only can I score off getting my own card, but if I start competing for these events, then I might be able to score off Justin's card. And you do this over and over again, and you can perhaps get a decent amount of points from your own card, a decent amount of points from somebody else's card, and over and over and over you go. So it's a really interesting mechanic. I really like the idea of secret objectives. Um, now the game itself, it's, it's highly, uh, it, it doesn't have like the biggest or, or deepest theme. Um, it's got some really interesting artwork. Uh, I think it's one of those, t- it's the type of art that's kind of take it or leave it. Some people really love it. I I love it. It's one of the reasons I actually was drawn to the game because of it's weird kind of medieval um, like hard edges uh, to some of the, some of the, you know, the cover art of the box and then of certain cards themselves. Um, There are a couple hard things to adapt to in the game. Like one of them is that the cards themselves are a little bit difficult to read. The iconography on it can take some getting used to. Uh, once you play it a couple times, you start to understand it and it becomes fairly intuitive, but it takes a couple games. Like, like, When you look at the different, uh, like, fractions you're looking at on a card and the various pie slices, you're like, what what does this mean? I don't understand. Uh, But after a couple of times playing it, you kind of get the hang of it. Um, The other thing is, like, the dice. Uh, Some people don't like the fact that, uh, like, say everybody gets their own chunk of dice. And these dice are sort of dependent upon how many workers that you do have in different locations on the board, right? And at the start of a round, you roll your dice and you put them in your section of the city. Now, even though they're in your section of the city, they're not just yours. Anybody can use them. But if somebody else wants to use the dice that you roll, then they have to pay you for it. So it can get kind of, uh, it can get kind of touchy if you take somebody's dice. And we just, and that was something that we had to kind of get past when we first started. And eventually, we started realizing they're they're not our dice. They're just anyone's dice. That whole big pool in the center is everyone's dice. It's just whether or not it's free to use, or whether or not it costs. Everybody uh, gets
1: dice in toi. Yes, it's exactly. Communist.
0: So the other thing I want to say about this before I, before I stop really quickly is that this not only is a game that you can play, again, on kind of a physical board, you can actually go to the store, your friendly local game store, you can get it online, hopefully, uh, but you can actually play this on BoardGameArena.com. So it's another one of these games that has both a physical version and an online version. It's not a phone app uh, like XenoShift was or like Terra Mystica is. And it's not on Steam, but it is on BoardGameArena.com, and they have a fairly good uh, adaptation of it. And a lot of the setup and takedown, is completely automated. So it really makes the games go even faster. Uh, I even in- tried to introduce this to Justin a couple of years back. I don't know if he kind of understood it when we were playing. We were just sort of playing it and having fun. It's
1: complicated. It's kind of like complicated. The first it, time, time you get into it, but once you get into it, it's not bad.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that is TOI, uh, is a great game. It's the, it's the, excuse me. It's designed by Sebastian Dujardin and Xavier Georges, uh, who I think they're just the Pearl games guys, because I, I have a lot of their games. Uh, but take a look at it. It's a little bit older, but it's fantastic. So, right, what about cool. you? What have you been playing lately?
1: Well, I played uh, that unlock game with my wife. It's a uh, like that uh, exit the room game, but it's like a yes more like the uh, best way I can describe it is it's more card based because the exit yeah. the room game like it's there's a lot there's like manuals and stuff, and this one's just straight up cards. Um, it took us about an hour and a half to complete um because we were confused you know these games the first time you run through them it's a little bit difficult to kind of get used to the the way things work and um we needed a little help as things went on but the reason why I found I needed help was this game is accompanied by an app on your phone right so you download right. this app and the app is for like unlocking certain things and my app wasn't working properly so I thought I was solving it wrong but I was actually solving it right and um, for some reason, the app was, was uh, not working so well uh, when we were doing it. So it started off the session becoming a little bit frustrating because of, of the technology problem. So once that was fixed, though, and we figured out how to get through it, we started flying through a little bit better. Um, it's an easy system once you understand what's going on. Like the red cards match with the blue cards to create an unlock system for the puzzles. And eventually you have to, you know, figure out codes for uh, yellow doors and stuff like that. But um, I felt it was almost too easy. Um, There was a lot of stuff Mm. in it. The the one we did in particular was unlock the island of Dr. Garus. Okay. Um, And it's like you're stranded on an island and what happens is you and your team split up. So I went into one room, my wife went into another room, and we could communicate, but we couldn't show each other cards and stuff like that, which was interesting. It also led to some uh, uh, shortness of me because I was getting really frustrated because my app wasn't working, and so I may have been too grumpy uh, for the rest of the whole thing. But you being grumpy, that doesn't hard to believe, right? No. But we got it together and started working. But like I think the the biggest problem was the app just didn't work so well. The game's fine and it worked okay, but the biggest issue I found was the app. Uh, We talked about it afterwards and we discussed like, you know, what were the things we liked, we disliked. The 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 clues and stuff were easy enough to get, but they're almost too easy, especially like when you like compare it to um, exit the room.
0: Exit, yeah,
1: way easier. And we also liked how. You know, this game is also a one-shot game. Like, you, you, you play it one time, you're not going to do it again because you'll know all the keys and all that stuff, right? Right. And so what we liked more about with the Exit game is it seems more like a one-time because you there's a lot of manipulatives and a lot of things that you do to the um, box and to the manuals and stuff.
0: Yeah, you tear, you tear things yeah. up. Like, you, you actually physically ruin yeah. a lot of the components.
1: And I think we really liked that... Aspect of that game better because it almost seemed more interactive. It was more of an experience. This one was just kind of like you have cards and the cards are fun, right. but it just wasn't as intuitive or like the best way to describe the exit the room stuff is a lot of outside the box thinking. This wasn't right. so much that. It's like we
0: had a similar experience because we did one unlock. We didn't do the same when you did. We did the secret formula uh, and we did it when we were on the road when we were in a hotel. Um, and and it was a good game. I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. I do think I like Exit the better better because I think the the puzzles I think are a little bit more creative at times, and I think it's they're more creative because they're able to rip stuff up and tear things and ask you to maneuver stuff. With this one, like with Unlock, you're trying to maintain, you know, the actual integrity of the game and the integrity of the cards. We noticed that a lot of the a lot of the the puzzle solving had to do really with just find the, the find the hidden number on the card. Right? Yeah, like, that's kind of. Where so it's, you know, it's, it's all in,
1: kind of streamlined, yeah. but like, and exit the room or exit whatever it is, you have to really exit think. The game and then yeah. subtitle. You have yeah. to really think about what's going on, about yeah. what's being presented to you, the clues that are set forth in you, and when, and those felt more satisfying. Yeah. you know, When you when you solve those, you're like, "All right, I'm not an idiot." Okay. And so like <laughs> you just you just felt better about it. Either way, it's it's made by the same guys. I'd say it's more transportable. um Easier to adapt to, but I still enjoy "Exit the Room" better. Um, it's by uh, Space Cowboys, Thomas. Their names are so bad. Uh, Thomas Cuet. Their names are bad. And and Cyril <laughs> de Mard. Very German. Like I sure I just absolutely just destroyed that. But uh I, uh, I we got ours from Amazon. You can get it pretty much anywhere. It's not it's not made by the same people though. Uh, yeah. uh, Law uh, the
0: excuse me, lost. Uh, exit the game in unlock. I think they're two different. Distributor company because the the people actually design exit i think it's a husband and wife team and i think they are german uh unlock i'm not sure but it's not the same it's not the same company
1: i think it's a, i think it's the same distributor or something because it's very similar arts and stuff and they 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 um they kind of like advertise together anyways mm-hmm. pick it up at amazon uh, or any uh, game board store I, I i like it but i just like the exit stuff better so sure that, that's my recommendation what else have you been okay. up to man
0: all right, so I have a Hulu like free thirty days going on because of that Runaways uh, thing you gave me a couple weeks back. You're so well I'm trying tried. to get as yeah right. I actually watched the second episode of that, but I don't want to talk about it. Uh, so um, I'm trying to get as much like Hulu original content or or just content that's only on Hulu before uh, I run my the runs course. You know, so I watch Hard Sun. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this. It's on Hulu. It premiered a couple uh, months never back, I think. i never heard of this at all. It's a BBC show, or at least it was, I think, co-produced by BBC, and then it came to Hulu, uh, and it's created by Neil Cross, and he's the guy who actually made Luther, uh, which is an amazing show, right? So this well, one is the, like just super dreamy. That's the biggest right, reason right, why yeah, he's so good. I get lost in his eyes sometimes. Well, who wouldn't? Uh, but anyway, what? I know, exactly. Uh, so this one, Hard Sun, stars Agnes Dane, and I mention her because we have seen her recently in the wonderful Netflix original film, The Titan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So was she it was the, uh, the scientist. Yeah, she was. She was, she was oh, like Wilkinson's okay. second in command, right. or, or something like that. So she's uh, she's a detective named Elaine Renko, and she's partnered up uh, in the beginning of the show with uh, with Jim Sturgis, who plays Charlie Hicks. And there are two British cops, and they do not tend to get along, but they, they basically get in over their heads. Um, the specific police unit that they're in recently suffered a tragedy because Sturgis's partner was killed, and so they had a space, and so she comes in and fills that space. But then, you know, Sturges' character, Hicks, thinks that maybe she's there to, like, you know, investigate him and what's the kind of strange the, the strain circumstances regarding, you know, the, the death of his partner, et cetera. Um, so there's all sorts of, like, internal conflict between the two of them. Uh, plus, Hicks is having an affair with, you know, so he's having family things, and and Renko, uh, she's got problems with her son, and so there's all sorts of interpersonal drama. Okay, so that's pretty standard, you know, hey, it's a cop show, they have, you know, roughed up lives, right? Now, the show gets a little weird because they get in over their heads with MI6, right? So, like, I guess, like, the British equivalent of, like, the CIA or something like that, right? and not only that but the way they get they get kind of caught up with them is because they come across during the course of an investigation this flash drive that has highly uh, highly government you know high government secrets on it and it's secrets wait for it about an a looming apocalypse oh, the end of the world is coming right that's like, a what?
1: hard sci-fi turn that's
0: like a whoo hello where th- yo where did that come from right it goes so, from i'm good i am not spoiling anything by the way because if you actually read the descriptions uh, of the, the like the like they published it says it right there in the description i never really read the description i just started watching it just because um so i'm really not spoiling anything but i watched the whole season it's six episodes i think it was six episodes uh and it's you know not great um (laughs) at at times like i just hate everyone like every single character or well not every single character but certainly the please
1: apocalypse happen please right
0: i kind of was rooting for the apocalypse and we we still don't really know exactly what the apocalypse is but considering the the title of the show is hard sun and that's like the reference to the document i'm assuming it has something to do with the sun the sun bounces into earth yeah maybe a hard ball that would suck. I think it would just sort of steamroll right over us. Um, now, it, the show gets absolutely bonkers at times. Just like, you, you just need to go with it. Like, you just, you got to either, you're in or you're out. Like, there are a couple episodes that follow a serial killer or priest who is, thinks he's doing this to prove that God does or doesn't exist. It's crazy. Right. Okay. Uh, there's an episode that has, I mean, what are effectively zombies? I mean, they're not really zombies, but they're kind of zombies, right? That's basically what they are. Um... And like the MI6 people, like holy crap, man, they're like super villains. It's insane. It's like not it's not even remotely close to like what I think actual, you know, CIA MI6 people would do. Like we all have this, you know, vision of them as getting in our, you know, getting in our information and tapping our, our phones, stuff like that. But what they do is like sinister as hell, right? So it's um it's okay. Like, I don't think it's great. Uh, it's six episodes, it has a really unsatisfying cliffhanger i'm not i wouldn't i don't recommend getting into it unless they they renew it for a second season which i'm not sure if they're going to because it didn't have great uh, great reviews so i wouldn't i wouldn't say it to, to to watch it unless you know it's coming otherwise you're going to get caught one of them cliffhangers and be like why won't they tell me what happened you know so that kind of sucks also uh i want to i wanted to mention one really fun fact when i was prepping notes for this when you type the phrase hard sun into imdb your first first choice is the Hulu show, naturally. Uh, and your uh, second yeah. choice is a 2014 movie that has the same name. Mm. But your third choice, this is where it gets kind of interesting, is Denise Richards. Oh. I don't I don't really understand that, but you know, whatever. So anyway, that's hard sun. It's on Hulu right now. It's okay. Um, maybe wait and see, I would say, if they renew it. Otherwise, probably pass. Uh, what
1: about you, man? Um, I was on Netflix and I've been hearing a whole bunch about this. It's called uh, Wild Wild Country. Um, yeah. It's a six-part docu-series produced and made by Netflix about the Bhagwan, Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh, uh, who basically was a guy who started a cult following in India and brought it over to America. And so it follows these people that were part of it. And it's, it's, it's edited really well. The cinematography is great. Um, they have tons of real footage. This is something that happened in 1981. It's real things. Um, and they interviewed the people that were a part of it. Some of the cult members and, and one of the main people that they interview all the time was basically the Bhagwan's uh, right-hand woman, essentially. And so basically it was a cult that came from India moved to northern Oregon in a small little town that had like 40 to 50 people in it and they bought like a 600 acre old stinky farm
0: is this it, like they... this is in the 80s right
1: yeah early 80s okay. yeah and they they bought this old stinky farm it was called like a, a mud hollow or something like that it was really okay. a garbage farm. I was hoping
0: it was called Stinky Farm. Yeah, Stinky Farm. <laughs> if I uh, ever get a farm, that's its
1: yeah. name. So uh, they take it over, and they somehow they have a ton of money, and they haven't gotten to that yet. I, I'm only about three episodes, and I'm about halfway through it. And they ha- he has a ton, a ton, ton of money. And they basically create a city within this little uh, area. And you slowly start figuring out well, there's, they're slowly taking over this small town, and the town even tries to commit uh, township suicide to try and get rid of them. Like, it's really bad. The reasoning is because someone went in and, like, videotaped what goes on. They have, like, massive orgies and they beat each other up and stuff. It's, like, really weird, uh, almost satanic stuff going on. And, like, the people of the area were very nervous about what was happening around them. This is a very small town backwoods retirement area. And so it's basically a story about this back and forth between them and then you start finding out later on in the story that there was money laundering, there was a crazy amount of crime going on, murder and a whole bunch of stuff happening within this cult. And it's just it's almost mesmerizing cuz the people that they're interviewing are people that were in the cult and they seem like normal people. It's like, ah, oh, it's grandpa," right? Or it's "Oh, it's grandma." But like they're straight up nuts. And it's just so crazy that it's all real. And like you're watching, you're like, what is wrong with these people? And it's just like how this one guy was able to just brainwash these top level execs and lawyers and stuff and use their power and money to get everything that he wanted. And it's really a, a crazy, crazy scenario. And I haven't finished it yet, but it, the whole thing's just... It's mesmerizing, how, how insane, the whole situation was. So, um, I, I I like it a lot so far. I'm gonna finish it up here probably by the end of the week. Um, how many
0: episodes is is it?
1: It's six. Okay. They do it in like parts. So okay. I'm on uh, part four right now, and it's really, really, really. It's the best way to describe it is it really is uh, enticing. It just really right. brings you in. You're just like, oh, what's going on? How? What's gonna happen next? 'Cause you know, that's five years before I was born. I really don't know that story. And right. it's also just right off the heels of Jonestown. Mm-hmm. So like people were really worried about Colts at that time because you know, like a couple hundred people died previously that because of that. So anyways, that is Wild Wild Country you can find it on Netflix. Uh, that's what I've been watching. How about you, man? What you been up to?
0: Okay, so I mean, this is sort of a natural transition from one docudrama to another. Um, this past week I caught, you, you might've seen this too. There is a trailer for a new, uh, a new movie out. Uh, well not out, but it's coming called, uh, The Meg. Have you seen this? Have you seen the this trailer? The Meg? See? The Meg. Yeah. I don't think the I've Meg. seen it. No. You haven't seen this? Oh my God. You're in a treat. You're in for a treat. Okay. So The Meg, it's an upcoming like sci-fi slash horror movie from John Turletow and it stars, uh, Jason Stasem and Dwight Schrute. Uh, uh, uh rain what? wilson it's, i just like to call him very s- i like strange I know that's combination really of i people in movie. That. i just assume that dry yeah. right, fruit is actually how rain no that's, that's exactly yeah yeah so anyway here's the premise you ready okay the premise is that a prehistoric shark called a megalodon okay which is roughly 70 feet in length is terrorizing the waters near a research station that's about 200 miles off the coast of china okay and apparently, like I think, there's somebody who's trapped in a submersible at some time too, and that sort of sucks for them because uh, there's a big shark down there. And then I think there's like an octopus or something. Uh, but anyway, Jason Statham's there, uh, and he needs to do something about it. Uh, I can't. Okay. Yeah. Super excited. You should watch this. It's and just, this it's is just a huge.
1: A historic film.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a docudrama. I believe okay. this is all. all right. I think this is this is an anthropological find. Uh, no, this is this is like total trash. But I really like shark movies. Uh, so it's got a couple other people in it. It's got Cliff Curtis, who's the guy from uh, *Fear the Walking Dead*. It's got um, uh, it's got what was it Bing Bing Lee? I think is the lead actress in it, and she's like from Transformers movies, but it's one of the sequels I haven't seen. I think she's also in *Resident Evil*, but also one of the sequels that I tend to forget or confuse with the other. Um, there are other people as well, and apparently it was a book, but I had no idea. Um, now I'm, I'm I'm excited for a variety of reasons. I'm, I'm excited because it's a shark movie, and *Jaws* is one of my all-time faves, right? uh and, I've, and, and i'm deep also excited sea.
1: you love deep blue sea. You deep blue, about sea deep blue sea is pretty fantastic
0: time. but that one's just a that's like a bad movie whereas jaws is a good movie and i think this one's probably going to lean more towards you know deep blue sea. but uh so i'm i've always had this idea since 1993 when i first went and saw i think it was 93 i first went and saw Jurassic Park is i wanted i've always wanted Jurassic Park to do a sequel but that's set as like a Sea World, you know, like I wanted, I want a Jurassic uh-huh. Sea World one, right? Yeah. That's what I want. And thus far, Jaws three D is pretty much the closest I've gotten to that. Which is um,
1: perfection.
0: Well, perfection. Sure, sure, but there are no that's dinosaurs in there, oh, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. megalodon is basically a dinosaur. So, th- so that's kind of you know sort of close. Um, but there's no other underwater, underwater theme park, so like you know, it's kind of a trade off. Uh, so. The other cool thing is I can't wait to figure out how exactly they maneuver the plot so that Jason Statham has to smother himself in oil and he gets to beat up the shark with all sorts of kung fu and martial arts <laughs> and stuff. A... Cause you know that's gonna happen, right? Cause that's, that's what he Or does. he has
1: to hit his like nipples with jumper cables or something like that. To sure, just he uh, he's gotta he's, juice me. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> I can't wait,
0: right? So anyway, that's the Meg. It's set to release in
1: August. Oh, I'm gonna August. have to fight this shark. <laughs> What, what was that? It's a pretty good one. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Have to work it's, on my Jason Statham. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's set to release August 10th, uh, but that date's been pushed back a couple times before. So uh, once we get closer, you might want to double check. And apparently, it's going to be in 3D and an th- IMAX 3D. So that should be fun. I can't wait. It's I uh, we here. might, dude. We might if we're still doing the podcast <laughs> in a couple months, and oh, that maybe we go see. We're reviewing that sucker. Okay, That's getting okay. a
1: breakdown, man. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, any last bits from you? Um, I got, like, a little entertainment movie breakdown, I guess. Movie slash video games. Okay. Uh, it's mostly video games. So, like, first thing, God of War is coming out here soon. It's getting, like, know, tremendous reviews, and I cannot wait to play it. Um, like, there's, like, snow physics where, like, snow clumps up, and it's, like, crazy realistic. The cutscenes and animations are supposed to be insane. The story's supposed to be great. It's going to be more along the lines of, like, a, a Naughty Dog game or, like, the
0: uh, like Uncharted. Like or Uncharted, or yeah.
1: So it's going to be a little yeah. bit more interactive like that where it's more story-based, movie-based okay. almost experience. Right and I'm really looking forward to it. I just can't. I love the original God of Wars because it's nice to just beat stuff up. But, like, I'm looking forward to a really nice story-driven story. Uh a story-driven story, yeah. Driven story. yeah I totally As agree. opposed to other types of stories. <laughs> uh, also, uh, part two of my little uh, news roundup, uh, The King of Kong has been dethroned. I don't know if you saw this.
0: I did see this,
1: yeah. This is yeah,
0: I did. Yeah. great.
1: Did you ever watch The King of Kong, by the way? I, I never have, no. It's a very good documentary. It's it's okay. So it's basically about this guy, uh, Billy Mitchell, who like won the... King or won the Donkey Kong title for it was Twin Galaxies basically, and so Twin Galaxies has like nationally recognized Guinness World Record high scores and stuff like that. So Billy Mitchell, uh, this whole documentary about Billy Mitchell being like the best ever, and then some guy in his in his uh, garage beat him, just some dad. And like Billy Mitchell ends up like doctoring stuff to prove that he beat the guy in the garage, and so it's just about how like the powers that be over, you know, tried to fight over the, uh, the the little guy, and it's a great story. If you haven't seen it, it's really really good and intriguing. It shows just the, the seedy underbelly of Donkey Kong. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> recently, knew? Billy Mitchell got like an over a million score, which is recently which was previously thought impossible. But after investigation, this is a really sleuthing. Uh, they found that it was an emulator, and you are not allowed to use emulators. You must use an actual tower in order to get How these scores. Dare he. So How dare he. he has been stripped of his title and also banned from the community to ever be that king again, because he's blatantly Mom. cheated multiple times now, and it goes back to Steve Weeby. Who is the guy that was in the garage that beat his uh high score, the 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 hmm. chubby dad who did it. So it's a it's a great long term redemption story of some little nerd that thought he was cooler than everybody else. Um finally, little small little tidbit, two uh, K Games is making a new Bioshock. So I heard this too, yeah, but it doesn't have the the original guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, him. it's it's different some different developers and writers, but they're using uh, it's project. They're using like a a, a fake name to cover it right now. It's called Project Parkside, so they're trying to like do a new trilogy, because Bioshock Three had like a good wrap up of the whole thing, even though it was very weird. And I like,
0: the one in the clouds, right? Yeah. Bioshock Infinite, right? It's good yeah, name. it was a
1: very good ending to it. So they're trying to do like a new um, IP driven trilogy. So. Guy, I was thinking that was Ken Levine. Or Levine, that's right. So that's okay. my little uh, game roundup for the weekend. That's pretty much all I got for that. All right, man. Uh, this has been fun
0: rambling, but I think it's time we uh, we get a little productive now okay. and uh, head over to our
1: breakdown. Sounds good. It's the movie breakdown.
0: So Lost in Space is a 2018 sci-fi series and Netflix original. It's the newest iteration of the Lost in Space story, which follows the family Robinson and their adventures in space. The original Lost in Space was a US TV show from the 60s and in the 90s, we saw both a comic book series and a movie adaptation. The 2018 Netflix series stars Molly Parker from House of Cards and Deadwood, among other things. She plays Maureen Robinson, who is the head of the Robinson family, and somewhat estranged wife to John Robinson, played by Toby Stevens of Black Sails fame. Their children, Judy, Penny, and Will, all return in Netflix's version, as does the robot Don West and Dr. Smith, played by Parker Posey. As with other iterations, this Lost in Space is set in the near future and tracks the Robinson family as they travel to deep space, specifically as part of a global colonization effort. The show begins with a family playing an awkward low-gravity game of go fish just before their own ship, the Jupiter-2, crashes on the alien planet. A catastrophe of some kind triggered aboard the central ship, causing the smaller vessels like the Jupiter-2 to detach and try to make landfall. Immediately, the Robinson family is in distress due to landing atop a sheet of ice, and circumstances arise that cause some characters to venture into the alien landscape for help. The first episode covers the aftermath of the Robinsons' crash, and the attempts of the family to survive the first night. The second episode expands the cast a little, bringing both West and Smith into the story. All the while, flashbacks provide context about the not-so-happy state of the Robinson clan pre-spaceflight, details about the catastrophe aboard the central colonization vessel, and how the robot plays into it all. We're covering only the first two episodes here, so there won't be any big-time spoilers for the series but undoubtedly we'll, we'll reference specific bits from the first two episodes. Still, we're gonna leave the big surprises and twists for you to discover on your own. So, Justin, what'd you think about Lost in Space?
1: I liked it a lot. Um, the cinematography is fantastic. Um, yeah, I it's a very pretty, show. Very it's pretty a, show. It's a very pretty show. The, I don't know how much set design it is and how much on location it is. It's probably a combination of both, mm. but it, it looks wonderful.
0: Yeah, the um, landscapes of the of the planet are really something. Um, yeah, because we're in a couple of different biomes. So, like, like the, the primary Robinson location is a kind of a snowy area, and then there's also like a forested area, and then the in the second episode with West and Smith, we see kind of more of a kind of a desert type mountain area. It's kind of an interesting little uh, little landscape, but yeah, it all looks really good, especially those mountains. Those like kind of sideways mountains in a way look really
1: really interesting in the distance. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting visual concept and i like it a lot on top of it the uh storyline is not terribly convoluted it's not uh there's a bit of mystery and there's a bit of like what's really going on stuff but it's not to the point where it's like my brain's gonna explode Um, right yeah
0: you can relax a bit while watching this you don't have to be like leaning forward and taking notes or anything yeah
1: it's a tvpg show so Mm. i also think it's really good to watch with some younger kids as well. There's a little bit of swearing. Yeah. But um, it's more for like young teens to maybe like I, like the second episode I watched with my godson who's 10 years old. And he really, mm. really seemed to like it. And um, he didn't watch the first episode, but he watched the second episode. And so when like, I'm thinking about that type of audience, it seems to be really, really good for that type of audience. Which is what the original Lost in Space was. It was meant for kids around that age and adults as well. So mm-hmm. I I I think it was a really really well done show. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued about the small amount of mystery that's been revealed so far. Um, I I think that all the acting done is done really really well. I don't think anyone overacts or underacts. I think that all the kids are really good too. Um, mm-hmm. They don't seem too stupid. They all seem very very smart. It's, they mentioned that they all went through training and it shows like there's actually just like little small little things to indicate like what's, what happened at home and wh- how they got to where they are now and all that stuff. Right. And, um, I like the little bit of flashbacks that they have. I'm curious to yeah, see what was, ha- Those are helpful. Like, yeah. Once we get into like Parker Posey's character, um, I like to see some flashbacks of what's going on with, with her character and stuff like that. Sure. Um, the only real loss in space that I'm super familiar with is the, Matt masterpiece LeBlanc. movie with Matt <laughs> LeBlanc and uh academy award winner uh wow Gary Oldman Gary Oldman Yeah and, William uh, Hurt I think it, Heather Graham yeah, yeah it, was a lot of- it was it was terrible but like I don't know too much about the show cuz I never watched it. It, was, it was just a little bit the old olden, yeah but uh I, I really really do like this and I want to keep watching I'd love watching it with my with my godson too I think it'd be really good show for us to watch together and my wife really likes it too cool. so like it hits a nice little like family demographic show and it's just really really well well shot and written so right. it, it hits all my intellectual stuff as much as it needs to i guess so what do you think um i had an overall
0: positive like response to it but i i definitely didn't like it as much as you i, I would say it grew on me a little bit more. I didn't really like it at the start. I, I, I honestly didn't really like the characters too much. I found them kind of annoying um, uh, here and there. Uh, they did, it, I think it smoothed out in episode two a bit. And I, I, I definitely found episode two more interesting. I'm at a point now where I, I'm not entirely convinced by the show, but I'm not at the point where I'm, I'm done watching. So I definitely want to watch more of it. Um, I think the biggest issue I had, I think with the show was that um the parents like there's this there's strife between the parents and i mentioned it in the summary that they're kind of estranged um and we we learn a little bit about that in some of the some of the details not all the details about that in some of those flashbacks uh but i found that some of that was a little distracting um considering that this is sort of an you know it's an it's the opening episode they just crash landed on a planet people like they're you know, one of their kids might be dying, and all sorts of crazy things. There's happening. bigger and problems it, than. And there's just a lot of like passive aggressive, uh, passive aggressiveness going on. I'm just like, is now the time for this? Like, so it felt really distracting, and I understood why it was there because you are trying to add some depth. But at the same time, I don't know. It, it felt like that could be that could have been handled. Like, it's an emergency situation. Let's focus on the emergency. And we'll move on from there. So that was a little tedious uh, to kind of get past that. So I didn't didn't really like them too much. Um. I definitely like Penny's character the best. Uh, she's the middle uh, middle child. The red eyed uh, one. Yeah, she's kind of like the comic relief. She has some really funny lines, uh, which is which is uh, really nice. And so I laugh from time to time. Uh, I really enjoyed when she was in the second episode. She was driving this uh, this big old kind of all-terrain Jeep thing, and she made a funny joke about bumper cars and whatnot. So. She's been kind of, I think, the most interesting and probably the most down-to-earth character because she's almost like a touchstone of sanity for me. When she looks around, she's like, uh, wait, which one of these parents am I supposed to listen to? And I'm like, see, like, you're making a good observation there, uh, which I really liked. I definitely am curious about some of the some of the mysteries because there are, like you said, there's some little mysteries going on, like what exactly happened aboard that that kind of sea ship uh, to which all of those little Jupiter... Jupiter ships like theirs was it, were attached to like it just went things went poorly. I'm not going to say the little bits we've seen. You should probably watch it on your own, um, but you get that you know you see that the reason they're crash landing is because things did not go well, right? So that's why it's called a crash landing. Um, but how and why that occurred um, is is very interesting. Uh, the robot obviously like what exactly because the robot is extraterrestrial, and, like that's that's the presumption, right? And so. This is like the first time that humanity has encountered it. So I really like where that story has the potential to go. Um, I definitely like that you can, when one of the things that they did in the beginning of the first episode is like when you look up at the sky, you can see all these other shuttlecraft that are like coming down with them, some of which are surviving and some of which aren't surviving, right? And so that presents like a really good, opportunity for future storylines and like other characters to eventually come into play, because if we're just dealing with the Robinson family over and over again, I probably would stop watching because unless like some of those characters get a little bit better, but like when you're stuck with the same five or six characters and you're not really getting other people to come in and interact with them, I would probably, it probably get stale for me. It does uh, make so me kind of
1: wonder like what it would be like there, like what's the plan? for this right is it just going to be them trying to survive like so i i really hope it's not one of those shows that the first season they have a vision of what they want to do and then season two they just take a hard weird turn you know what i mean like i'm really curious i want to finish out this season and see where they go with it and wonder if like it's some strange hard turn and if it's a turn that makes it even more interesting so like it makes me want to keep watching and see where it goes, but I'm terrified that at the end of it, it's going to be a thing where I'm like, oh, "Come on!" That's, so I worry that that's it, because that right. seems to be Netflix's mo right now, right? Where it's like great setup, good idea, and then.
0: Well, that's. I mean, that's in their movies. I think they have a fairly good traffic record, track record with their their shows, right? I think they do a fairly good job with their their Netflix original TV shows of. I mean, not everything has been a slamming success, but I think some of them, you know, House of Cards, uh, all you know, a lot of the, the Marvel, the Marvel shows, with the exception of Iron Fist, I guess. Uh, though I, I haven't actually watched it, so I shouldn't. Really Iron Fist is it. garbage; don't watch it. Um, but I, I do think they have a decent track record. Uh, so, and how much Netflix is directly involved? Who knows. Um, other things with the show, like I, I definitely like the, I think I, I certainly like the second episode better than the first, uh, I'm looking forward to them branching out from their little, their little segment. Cause the, the first two episodes, they were pretty much in the same basic radius. So I am kind of curious how much adventure and exploration,
1: um, alien, alien planet, all sorts of things to explore. I think part of it has to do with like seeing the world right. is really interesting. And right. I think, uh, uh, that's highly attributed to like, we've talked about their whether it's on set or on location shooting that they're doing is, is really cool looking. Um, the set design and whatever's happening to create that stuff is really interesting. Right? right. So like, I think that's a big draw for, cause I'm really interested in the planet. I'm almost more interested in the planet and the robot than I am about the family's turmoil. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it almost ends up being like that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's my problem is that I don't, I don't care much about the family drama right now and and the reason i don't care about the family dra- drama is because like like i said in, in the opening of this is like there's a lot of passive aggressiveness going on and it's just like honestly right now like the emergency situation is such that it probably should trump it and if you're not going to trump it that it just makes it like all of these characters kind of petty to me and i don't i don't want to deal with that
1: well like um, the juxtaposition of that would know. be like the original one where they're all just so happy go lucky you know so like would that type of idea work in this you know, scape of TV shows where everything's got to well, be somewhat. I don't think that those are the only based. two options.
0: Like, I think that's a little bit like a false dichotomy that it's either one or the other. Like, there's there's other kind of degrees where this could be. Like the happy-go-lucky thing. I think that was just sort of the nature of watching TVs in a different generation, TV shows in a different generation. Like, I think we're as a you know modern viewing, we we like grittier stuff. We like more realistic stuff for the most part. I think we allow for it more um but me well, I, think, yeah. I
1: think it might be like a like i think it it's like hey let's do the robinson family right but how can we make it more 2018. well there's strife between the parents and that reverberates to the children i feel like that's the right. thought that they had with this whole thing
0: yeah that's fair i mean i i have no problem with the fact that the parents are strange. let's have problems with like the passive aggressive sniping like like right now seriously like you're gonna do this right now like yeah, this okay. is this is the time for it like yeah. okay i mean fine okay hey look they all died uh, so that's not a spoiler. They didn't really all die. Uh, you know, we'll see. In the second episode, of um, the first season. <laughs> right. Um, so are you are you gonna watch it regularly? You're gonna you're gonna try I'll to. I'll finish it know? up.
1: I'm gonna keep watching it with my wife and see if my guy wants to keep watching. It. Yeah, uh, he seemed to really like it, and I think it'd be. To me, I, I look at it more as like a family opportunity show. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stuff on Netflix that's either like all kids or all adults. Like there's a lot of stuff on Netflix that's just straight up adult. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, I look at this and, like, I could sit down with my wife and if I, you know, with my godson and sit there and really enjoy, like, a family show together where there's stuff for me, there's stuff for him, because he's, he really left, he thought the robot was super cool and all stuff, and I thought the robot was cool. Plus, the robot's all fully, like, practical, and they did a great job of that. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been annoyed if it was CGI the whole time. Yeah,
0: that's the other thing we should mention: like the CGI in the show between the robot and a lot of the other stuff that was going on in space with the ship and whatnot, all been fantastic. Like, really, the show is very good to look at. It's very, I, th- I think it is like just very high quality, clean. On, yeah. very clean, and high quality. Like, it's high, it, yeah. It's definitely a high production, uh, and it's it doesn't skimp on that in any in any respect. So, on my end, I'm going to watch it. Um, I, I don't. I'm not going to commit to the full season yet, but I'm certainly going to watch the next co- a couple more episodes. Uh, and see where it goes from here. Uh, if if it goes more in the direction of episode two, I'm probably good. If it goes more in the episode of, of episode one, I'm not as good. Uh, I definitely felt like the first episode was the weaker of the two. Uh, so if if that was just like, you know, first episode, you know, pilot episode hiccups and stuff, you know, which happens with a lot of shows until they find their footing, then we're good right? Like we're, we're totally good. So I'm looking forward to it. I definitely like the premise uh, and I, I think uh, it has some really good potential and I hope I hope it actually pans out. I really do. So sure, man. anyway, that is lost in space. It's available right now uh, released on April 13th. so it's up on Netflix. Uh, you can get that first uh, first episode or excuse me all 10 episodes of the first season uh, right now. Uh, so that's going to close down the breakdown for this week. We're going to head over because uh, Justin wants to talk to you about some comics, right? Yeah, some some really good ones too. Okay, so We're let's head over
1: to the biweekly pool. It's time for the biweekly pool. All right, so for this week, for my biweekly pool, I t- decided to go with DC's. The Flintstones, all right?
0: bedrock. the
1: actual Flintstones? Yes, the actual Flintstones. Was that Hanna-Barbera? Hanna-Barbera, yeah. So DC recently started a new deal with Hanna-Barbera and WB where they've been doing, because WB owns Hanna-Barbera, where they've been integrating a lot of their comics into uh, DC lore. Like, there's the Flintstones, there's currently, like, uh, Scooby Doo, uh, zombie apocalypse, and stuff like that. They have all is, this uh, stuff. Is Dino going to be a Batman villain? No, <laughs> that'd uh, be awesome. But they have done a bunch of crossovers between like uh, Elmer Fudd and Batman because they're both hunters. I guess. it's there's some good stuff. Wait, stuff. what? Some of it's garbage, but some of it's great. An Elmer Fudd, Elmer Fudd Batman, Elmer Fudd, Batman <laughs> crossover, like you gotta. Game I gotta game. talk about gotta some see. of these in the future. But, okay, go ahead. <laughs> recently, they, they, got, they uh, established the rights to Hanna-Barbera. And this came out in 2016. It's written by Mark Russell, and there's art by Steve Pugh. The art is amazing. It's really great art, um, really great uh, stuff in this entire thing. Different covers by different uh, artists for each uh, actual comic that, you know, these trades are... This is basically a 12-comic series. It's two trades, six comics each. And as each comic comes up, you see, like, the the cover page and everything. You see what they had. And it's all really, really good. And it takes place in Bedrock. And you have your, your lead, uh, Fred Flintstone, and his wife, Wilma, with his daughter, Pebbles. And his next-door neighbor, uh, Barney. Uh, and his wife, I forget her name, Betty, and mm-hmm. his, their son, uh, Bam Bam. Yeah, I was going to say, Bam Bam better be in it. I and so like Bam Bam. you would think that this is just a Flintstone story, but it's got some of the hardest, deepest stuff in it I've ever seen in a comic. And it's really, really good. Are you making like a rock and stone joke by saying the hard... no, 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 no. no, no. So it covers immigration... It talks about monogamy as a juxtaposition to, like, the idea is about, like, same-sex marriage and all that stuff like that. But they're talking about how monogamy to cavemen is a, is a front against God and stuff like that. So people don't like the fact that Fred and Wilma are married because back then everyone was just supposed to kind of, like, be with everybody. You know what I mean? Because it's caveman rules. So sure. like it covers that. It's a lot about PTSD because he was in he was in the, the Tree Men Wars, where he had to do horrible things, and that's why he's, he's the Grand Poobah. You know that whole, you know back in the old uh, cartoon, he had that like um, that club he went to, mm-hmm. and that club is basically in this story. It's a VA like rehabilitation group club they go to, <laughs> what to talk the about. Hell? Yeah, it's really deep stuff, and it's really good and uh basically it's about how they did these things that were awful and they they're trying to cope with it like they're on suicide hotlines and stuff like that it's like really deep hardcore stuff and it's really really well written um there's stuff about infertility in it because betty and barney much like in the movie back in the mid-90s they can't have a child so bam bam's an adoption and and they have to the reason why he, uh, Barney gets in the military is because he feels like he's less of a man. So he has to prove to his wife that he's that type of guy. And it's, it's like really deep stuff. There's stuff wow. about slavery, politics, religion. One of the biggest things, that I haven't gone to yet, but I heard about it later. Uh, because uh, Fred worked for the military, there's a new mayor in town. And he's trying to convince the people of Bedrock to put their money into putting armor on their dinosaurs to go into a fight rather than supply money to their schools. So it's like stuff like that where it's like super hyperbole and metaphors for like, it's, it's insane. And it's so well done. It's so good. The, the appliances have like thoughts and and our our friends and everything and like one of the appliances dies and they have to deal with the death of appliances and stuff like that when they recycle appliances they just take in the back and come out with a sack full of meat to feed the other appliances and you're like oh my god (laughs) it's just like really great stuff it's such a well-written comic and like no one saw it coming because it's the Flintstones right but when you think about the Flintstones, they really were somewhat revolutionary. They're the first show back in the day that showed a husband and a wife sleeping in the same bed. You know, there's like little stuff like that. So they're kind of like homaging the fact that they were groundbreaking and also they're somewhat modern. And now they're showing this is like real life stuff, but with this prehistoric weird twist on it. And it's really, really well done. So I highly suggest people read this. If you, if you, if, if you're not into like this type of like weird stuff, because you know, when you think comic books, you think either like graphic novels that are like super serious or you think of like Batman or Spider-Man. This is weird, but also really good. So I, I highly suggest someone gets it. It's only two volumes. It's 12 comics, easily consumable. And I think each comic was like nine bucks. So I highly suggest you go out there and get it. That is my uh, pool, my bi-weekly pool. So oh, man. That
0: sounds feel. really interesting and surprising. Oh Bedrock
1: God. Bedlam. That's yeah. crazy.
0: All right, cool. Well, uh, I guess it's time to, uh, well, meet each other's challenges yeah. for the week. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge.
0: All right, so the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do every week on the Lolly Lolligibers Podcast, and it's where uh, Justin and I like to challenge each other to watch or play or do something a little outside of our comfort zone. Uh, we do this partially just to get us to broaden our minds, but really it's just to drive, kind of drive each other crazy. Uh, and then to ensure that we have met our challenges, uh, we come back to the next episode of our Lolligibers Podcast, and we quiz each other to see how well we paid attention. Uh, so, I'm going to go ahead and start this week, and Justin assigned me the live-action film Full Metal Alchemist. You're based welcome. On the, You're welcome. <laughs> it's based on the manga series of the same name, an anime. Um, it's a Japanese film. It's directed by Fumuhiko Sori. Sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, it's, it was released in Japan back in 2017, back in December, but it just recently came up on Netflix, which is where I watched it. Uh, now, I want to preface this by saying that I have actually not watched Metal Alchemist uh, or read anything or done anything about Fullmetal Alchemist. The only, the only real experience I have is from the movie itself. Uh, so if there's something I'm getting wrong, it's quite possible the adaptation wasn't quite right. So I'm not going to be able to really speak to the adaptation's accuracy. Uh, now, the movie itself begins when the Elric brothers Edward and Alphonse, uh, Ed and Al, uh, are practicing their alchemy as children. And sadly... Uh, Their mother collapses and dies in front of them uh, from some undisclosed illness. Uh, And her death, however, because they're both really young at the time, motivates them to practice some taboo alchemical arts called human transmutation. And they're trying to bring her back from the dead. Now, it doesn't work, primarily because of the Law of Equivalent Exchange, uh, which mm. is a law that's referenced numerous times throughout the film. And it's a guiding principle of alchemy and transmutation that essentially requires proper toll be paid. Uh, now, in the process, Ed loses his leg. Al gets sucked into what's called the Gate of Truth. And to get him out, uh, Ed has to sacrifice his arm. I'm not quite sure if I got that exactly right. Yeah, uh, but if, but essentially, Ed sacrifices his arm. and He loses an arm and he loses a leg. Al loses his whole body, and his soul gets transmuted into the into the, basically a suit of armor, right? A big old metal suit of armor. Uh, and now that's like the opening, opening part of the movie. And then the other parts where he's sort of getting transmuted it happens a little bit later through like a dream sequence and a flashback. Um, but in the present, Ed now works as a state alchemist and has had his limbs replaced with mechanical stuff uh, by his friend uh, Winry. And his brother's lack of a body is his driving force in life. So Ed is looking to get his brother's body back. And to do so, he's looking primarily for something called the Philosopher's Stone, which he thinks is going to allow him to actually conduct human transmutation, which is what's needed in order to get uh, uh, Al's body back. Now the quest has him navigating like different governmental and and military conspiracies. And he encounters these really powerful and enigmatic villains named Lust and Envy and Gluttony. And he's doing this all while feeling this like underlying guilt because he kind of blames himself for what happened with Al. Um, so that's that's essentially the premise of the movie without spoiling exactly what happens. That's that's pretty much the setup. Now, okay. Overall, uh, I didn't. It was okay. Like I didn't. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Uh, i found it really frustrating at times i love the idea of it like the premise was i think fantastic like i love the premise the anime is fantastic i have had i've had it on my list to watch in the past but i just never pulled the trigger on it i don't i don't know why i honestly don't know why i do because i know it's one of your favorites and you've mentioned it in the past and i just i've never pulled the trigger on it for whatever reason I honestly haven't watched an anime in a really long time. I used to. I used to watch a lot back in the day. You know, I I still got my old DVDs of like Berserk and Escaflowne and Cowboy Bebop and and stuff like that. But like, I haven't. Yeah, I've never. I've never actually watched Full Metal. So, I would say like the premise is fantastic. Like, I really think it's great. I like the dynamic between the two brothers, or the idea that one brother's kind of blaming himself, and and that's sort of what's driving him to do things. I really like that idea. And I like some of the, in this particular movie, I like some of the effects. Um, Some of sometimes they look terrible. Other times they look really good. It's it's, real bad. It's kind of a mixed bag in in that regard that there's some things that are really, really fantastic. Um, Gluttony is freaking hilarious. Uh, I was rooting for him the whole time. Uh, He's pretty
1: adorable in the anime too.
0: He's, it's hilarious. He like wanders up to like this group of military dudes and he's just like, i'm gonna eat you now and then he pops out this massive mouth from his belly and it's like all these teeth and stuff kicking out and he just like walks like waddles after them and i'm like honestly he's if that's how fast he's going i guess they're gonna outrun him anyway the movie itself has some really frustrating elements to it and i, I think the biggest frustration i have with the movie is the way in which a lot of the conversations are absolutely redundant um where one character says something to another character that does not need to be said. Like this conversation makes no sense. Um, I don't know if it's because whoever was directing the movie or writing the movie was worried that their audience wasn't gonna catch something. But honestly, there were moments where I'm like, look, it's pretty obvious. So one of my, I think the the most egregious example of like how bad of a conversation can be happened towards the end of the movie. And I'm not gonna spoil spe- the specific context, but the one of the main villains is encountering one of the main characters right and one of the main characters was shot and in a way so it looked like that character bad things was going to befall them and they weren't going to make it out of it but they eventually are okay and they they kind of stumble forward kind of leaning over and bleeding and they're encountering the main villain and so the main villain looks at the character i think um might be roy i'm not sure i think it's Roy. Anyway, looks at the character and at where, you know, the character is kind of holding their side with their shot. And it says, oh, I've seen that you've used your alchemy to sear the wound to stop the bleeding. And I'm like, (laughs) why why are you saying this to him? And if that's not bad enough, he responds by saying, yeah, and I almost passed out five times because of the pain of it all. Like, good for you, dude. Like, what's with the brag right there? That's so <laughs> strange. Like, yeah, it hurt you... real
1: bad. You totally feel crazy.
0: Like, why are you two talking like this? Like, it just makes no sense. There's another part in the movie, and this is about midway through the movie, where Al and Ed and Winry uh, are looking for a specific location called Laboratory Five. And they're looking in a, a, like a cannery and, You know, they couldn't find it. They couldn't find the lab. And they get into, like, the final room. And, like, despair sets in. And then the two brothers start fighting because, of course, you know. um, Al gets it in his head that, you know, maybe he's not a real boy. And maybe Ed's not his real brother. And he's just this false memory. And, like, Winry, who pretty much yells the whole time throughout the movie, uh, makes a great point. But only after they fight for, like, five minutes, uh, like, physically fight, And says, why would he risk his life and nearly kill himself over and over again if you weren't his real brother? And I'm like, Winry, that's a really good point. Why didn't you say that five minutes (laughs) earlier? Because it saved a lot of, like, sweat and blood. And then during the (laughs) fight, like... Like, and Al is huge, and they make jokes about how Ed is short. Like, Ed, that's the like kind of a running gag. Ed's small. And so Al is just, like, throwing him into wall, like brick wall, slammed him to the ground, trucking him over, like beating the crap out of him. And then Ed, you know, starts punching him, right? But he punches him with his left hand, Justin. He doesn't punch him with his right, Ooh. and he just keeps Ooh. doing it over and over and over again, right? And at one point, while Al is comically laying on the ground getting punched in the face, and again, Al is a big, giant tin can, right? Al says, hit me with your right hand, hit me, you're gonna hurt your left hand, like, your concern for his left hand after you just threw him into the wall, slammed him to the ground, (laughs) talked him all over, is a little dissonuous, and it really doesn't make any sense at that particular point, so, yeah, okay, and then... If that's not enough, like the camera has to zoom in on the hand, right? And you see the bleeding knuckles. And then it's got to zoom in even further. It's so weird.
1: Look at my hands bleeding. And it's just like, it's, it's so just bad. so
0: unnecessary. It's just absolutely unnecessary. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, we think got it.
1: There, there's some disconnect with that show because what they did, they tried to jam two seasons into a two-hour movie. And okay. And... Um, there's they a could lot have saved
0: of, time by not having a unnecessary five minute fight. Yeah. they could have saved a lot of time. Well, that fight's very important.
1: That fight was very important in the in the mm. anime, but due to the way that they did the movie, the preceding moments that caused that issue.
0: No, is, I have no problem is is with the them problem. fighting. I have problem a with how long it went on, and b how comically stupid and melodramatic it was, <laughs> and how like how the characters had to speak out loud in the camera, had to zoom in to try to reinforce the fact like, Hey, in case you hit hey, audience, in case you weren't paying attention, he's hitting them with his left hand, not his right. Wait, you didn't get, you didn't catch it the first time. When I said that here, let me. zoom hey, look, in so Hey, look, not can see
1: robot hand. Arrow That's my problem
0: it. with it. Like, okay. If they want to fight their brothers, they fight. I get it. But I don't know. This is the way it was handled. That's what I mean. Like the premise, I like the ideas, but some of the execution, which just so like laughably laughably bad at times. Like there's another part in the movie where, ah, this one's kind of spoilery, but um, one character, like there's this one kind of not so ethical alchemist uh, who's working on chimeras, like the joining of you know multiple species into one, like two species into one. And he's trying to get talking chimeras, and when Al, or excuse me, when Ed returns after being gone... Like, this char- like, these two characters are missing. Hey, it's really quiet in here. Huh, that's kind of strange. I wonder why these two characters that I was just hanging out with before aren't here. Oh, hey, look, there's this chimera sitting on the ground that just strangely looks like a mixture of the two of them. Jeez, I wonder what it could be. And then, like, I mean, the audience knows. Like, we get it. We know that that's the combination of those two characters. We know exactly what happened. You don't have to tell us. But, obviously, it has to be spelled out. Like over and over and over again and like we have to get whacked over the head with it so i mean that like i said premise good execution at times i felt was like kind of
1: kind of silly like it just silly and whatever i, I think it was destined to fail because like they're trying to jam everything in a two-hour movie and it's gonna be impossible <laughs> so like all those poignant <laughs> moments you're talking about like that chimera moment it's a big deal and it's a huge thing but you don't have the time to simmer with it and time to really understand that's the not, impact. That's not it, my
0: I problem think. with it though, Justin. My problem isn't that they have the stuff that's happening. My problem is is like how over the top they have to be with showing it to us. Like I see what happened. It sucked. It was a big deal. That's super crazy and tragic, and I feel awful for those two characters, but at the same time, like I got it. You don't have to spend the next three minutes explaining it to me. I get it. Like, I, I definitely get it. So that, that was my biggest issue. It's just like, I felt like at times, like, you know, intelligence was being insulted, It's just like, all right, we get it, you know, we see it. And I'm sure people who are listening to this are like, all right, Jeff, we get it, we got your point. So I'll stop repeating the same thing over and over again and
1: ask for my quiz. All right. So I got a quiz for you, my friend. Um, I got four questions for you. Some of them you already answered, but we'll see if you can read, if you can do them again. Uh, even what though you've if already I got
0: answered them. them? I should
1: get credit for it. I mean, we we'll, gotta we'll see if you can make sure you had the right answers. All right. That's ridiculous. So, yeah. uh, question one was: Can you name all of those? Uh, first off, what is the name of the creatures that were all black and had like philosopher's stones in them and stuff like that? Like, what were the name of? It's like a two. Homunculi.
0: Okay, and, and what were they? And gluttony. It was Lust, Envy, and Gluttony. Lust, she what, yeah. was like the leader. What's what up? did they do? Like, what was their powers? Well, that's what I was getting into. Lust basically had really long fingers and she can stab them with. Envy could shapeshift. And Gluttony yeah. had like a big old stomach, uh, or excuse me, a big old mouth in the stomach and just like eight people, apparently. Okay, okay, so there's yeah.
1: one good point for you. You have one good point. Yeah. Right, so yeah. Check, check off. I
0: paid attention. I had to. It was yeah. subtitled. I had to pay really yeah. close attention to understand <laughs> that was going on. You had no had choice. Two hours and 14 minutes.
1: All right. Yeah. Question 2. The mad you got to this one. So the mad doctor made a chimera out of what two things? What did he make the Yeah, chimera? out of his daughter and out of his
0: dog. I didn't want
1: to say that yeah, because yeah, I didn't yeah. want to spoil it in case people were it, but yeah, that's yeah. basically what yeah. it was. This yeah. is a super sad moment and yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Okay. Uh how does Mustang create his fire? What does he, uh, do he with his likes- fire? I think he snaps his
0: fingers or something like that.
1: And then why why is snapping his fingers create fire? What do you mean? How can snapping fingers create fire? He's gotta do something to create it. Uh like specifically what he
0: does? I don't know. I mean like they all have to like kind of access their circles and like on his gloves he's got like his little circle on it or whatever. But like all I ever really ever saw him do was like snap his
1: fingers and and then he would shoot fire. It's it's the alchemy symbol on his on his glove. And like that's the
0: big thing because yeah. like Ed, he can transmute without that,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 Because yeah. like it, it takes the markings to do those things, and he can just slap right. his hands together and he can do it. Um, all right. So this is also kind of a spoiler, but whatever. The the, the anime's been out for forever. <laughs> it's been out for a while. Yeah, it's <laughs> been out for like ten years. Uh, how can I put this? how does hughes die
0: uh he is shot is the technical way by envy who is at one at one point pretending to be roy but also very quickly pretending to be um hughes's wife pregnant wife and then back to roy so as to frame roy that's a good answer
1: so all these things that also <laughs> uh gave, the, the last the the like the dog one and the hughes thing legitimately affected me when i watched it in- and <laughs> in the anime like it how old are you when you were watching it I was probably I had to be like maybe 18 17 18. Car? it was yeah. just so sad and it's <laughs> so I feel good. like if
0: if the Nina character if the daughter character had been around a while and then suddenly like oh my god you just turned her into chimera like that would
1: they spent would like be three episodes with that whole thing yeah and like pretty... they they go deep into like all that stuff and the fact that he kind of sold his soul to do that Plus, yeah. there's also two other uh, uh, homunculus. I don't know. I, I, they think even... they,
0: I think there's four, aren't they? Like I was, I was kind of looking into them, like because I was curious.
1: There's two. They don't. There's there's wrath. If, yeah. The it's wrath. all
0: the seven deadly sins, right? Yeah.
1: So yeah. like, there's wrath. There's, there's a whole other subplot of another woman who did the same thing, who used alchemy to try and bring life back to her child. Mm. She miscarried. Mm. And um, then that child became homunculus. Cause the idea is homunculus. I don't know if they did it in the movie. I couldn't tell if they were doing it in the movie because I kind of like skipped through. Because I was just basically like, what it is. I skipped through. I was like, oh, this is basically the entire anime. So I, I know the anime from front to back. So I was right. like, so, um, did they explain in the movie that the, where the homunculus came from, like how they were created? Because basically um, they are the byproduct of trying to create life.
0: Right, and. I don't know if they got too much into the origin. Like, they kind of did a little bit of Lust, Envy, and Gluttony. They did talk about, like, the POWs and, like, the souls and stuff. And that's how, like, that whole crazy mannequin soldier army got, like, created and whatnot. Yeah. So they did get into that.
1: But, like, I think it was, like, Lust was the wife of somebody. Hmm. Uh, envy was the son of somebody that they tried to bring them back. Gluttony was a brother, and then like, wrath. Who they show later was the aborted, or was not the aborted. It was the basically the miscarriage child, um, of that other person you find, and then, the other one is um, sloth. I never get into in the original one, but then the other one I forget what it was. Um, it's pride. Did you pride. Pride is yeah. is the uh, general, the major general. Okay. Which I don't think they did in the movie at all. They didn't like do that at all. But like, uh,
0: no, there were only
1: three. Yeah, and the anime, the, the major play. general, the the guy who like runs everything, he was pride, and like him yeah. and Mustang have like a huge thing. It's really really awesome. Yeah. But um, so hey, yeah, so you got four to four. It was very hard if you had to really really pay attention to that. I did. So, like I, I even texted you. I'm like, man, it's two hours and 14 minutes. I actually <laughs> got to pay attention. Just so you know, I don't watch a single thing of it. I just fast-forwarded through it. And I was like, yep, okay. this is the entire anime. Yep, they're missing this, this, and this. Yep, that's he probably hates this.
0: That's why the challenges I give you are always things I've already seen. So, so you don't have to watch it again. <laughs> All,
1: All right, right, right on. All right, so you want to tell us about your challenge, sir? My challenge was a... Let's see here. It was a 1980... I forget the year. It was an 84...
0: Uh, I think it was later than that. Um, um hmm, like 88 maybe.
1: 1988 uh John
0: Carpenter. Yeah, it was 88 uh, because I remember it knocked Hall- it was like number 1 for a week. It like knocked yeah. Halloween out. Halloween 4? Nice. nice. Is
1: that the one with Corey Feldman? Is it? I think it is. It might be.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Anyways, I- keep uh 1988 classic John Carpenters They Live. Okay.
0: This is the, the third move, the third in my trilogy of 1980s challenges. Okay. So this is going to be the end of the 1980s challenges for a while. I'm I'm going to start a new trilogy that I already have. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, but we'll get to that later. Go ahead.
1: All right. So it stars, uh, Roddy Piper, uh, other, other known as Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Right. Um, I think, yeah, you got to put the Rowdy in there. In the peak of his steroid usage like the peak because <laughs> uh, the guy is jacked yeah he's pretty um, jacked. <laughs> uh, and keith david who uh for the younger viewers is the arbiter's voice in halo he also yeah. was in um requiem for a dream and about he's been 70, in like everything 70 is trillion it, other movies yeah is it just me or is he just not age yeah like, he, looks like like 40, him, he looks like he's been 40 he's looks he been 40 his entire life yeah i see him in they
0: live and the thing and i see it's him like recently he looks exact like that man, like is is aging very well. Like it's, just hope, wonderful. I uh, hope
1: he never sees his painting in his basement. Yeah, like, great interior.
0: job, Keith. Good job. Good job.
1: Anyways, yeah. the story is about uh, a Roddy's character who enters. A, it looks like it's L.A. I don't think they ever really say where it's at. It looks like it was L.A. And Go he's ahead. looking for good work because he's... Uh, it, it is L.A. It's yeah. L.A. That's, that's what I thought it was. So he's looking for work. He, he's just kind of a homeless guy looking for work. He, uh, I forget what it was before he was doing. Um, he was from Denver, wherever it was. And uh, he Yeah, worked... uh, he was from Detroit, I think, actually. No, it was Denver. I, I wrote it down. Uh, mm. I was like, he might ask this question. So he's from Denver. And basically, he... He's looking for work and and he goes to different places. He does uh, under the you know under the books type of stuff, and he starts living in a shanty town because there's nowhere else to stay. He meets Keith David's character and says, "There's a really great place, place over here. There's um, they will get they got showers and food. They take care of their people. Come over here, you can stay with us and we'll be good." He goes there and he finds that while well, he's there, there's some television broadcasts going on talking about how uh, some type of crazy invasion is happening and they're making us sleep to the reality of the world and stuff like that and he kind of ignores it but it's like giving people headaches and um it seems like uh there's there's a preacher in the area that seems like he's mouthing the same words as the tv so it's almost kind of strange that he's saying the same stuff and so he follows the preacher over into his church and he goes in the back door and he sees a whole bunch of glasses everywhere he's like sunglasses sunglasses yeah, sunglasses. About, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. he's Like what is this all about And notices that the uh, church is being pumped through, is having gospel music pumped through it. So people really aren't singing; it's just kind of like a cover. And he finds out that this is where the TV broadcasts are coming from. This underground uh, group of people trying to warn the populace of what's happening to them. So they get raided by the police. The whole shantytown gets bulldozed over, and he runs away with a pair of glasses. And when he runs away with a pair of glasses, he then puts them on by chance and notices everything around him uh, looks different. Um, and what happens is, like, he looks at advertisements and it says, like, obey, which I now realize where the whole clothing line comes from. Uh, <laughs> so okay. it's like, obey, uh, get married, conform, all these things. Like, s- these people are slowly being brainwashed by this advertising. And so then he looks at some people and when he puts the glasses on these people that look like uh, highfalutin uh, workers, uh, they are like zombie alien creatures that have like skeleton faces. And uh, he starts realizing that he has the ability to see uh, an, an alien invasion of sorts that are trying to slowly um, uh, overtake America or, and slowly the world. And... Um, It's basically his journey to try and stop it all from happening, and uh, that's pretty much what it is. And um, it's very '80s. It's very John Carpenter. Um, Oh God, yeah. You had me watch Big Trouble in Little China not too long ago. You better be careful here. You (laughs) you better be careful, buddy. And uh, John Carpenter (laughs) loves making movies with like these really iconic style, like. Uh, dialogue and very interesting moments. I know, like,
0: heaven forbid, you have good dialogue and interesting moments in your movie. Is it good dialogue How... though, or is it just yes. so
1: corny it's good? The like birds. the "I'm here to kick ass and shoot bubble gum." I'm all out of bubble gum. It's so corny mm-hmm. that it's amazing.
0: I actually think that was improv. I think improv.
1: It's or like uh, what was the other one? Where he goes, where do you think they're from? He goes, well, they ain't from Cleveland, and just oh, okay. like, wait,
0: that's half a question. <laughs> okay. okay, so the question, question number one: Where are the aliens from, and where are they not
1: from? They're not from Cleveland, so and they're they from. ain't
0: from Cleveland. I'll, I'll accept it. I accept that.
1: Okay, uh, we'll we'll come back to that, but uh, okay. it's a. Uh, there's a lot of it's. It's what's really interesting to me is that how much. Popular culture references this movie, mm. that seems almost unknown. It's a, it's a cult following, cult following movie. Like people really like it; those who like it, but like yeah. it's not a really super popular movie. But there's so much cult following. One of the greatest scenes in South Park is based off what seems to be one of the greatest fighting scenes of all time. No, no, no. Between it it and is Piper. the greatest like <laughs> sequence of all time. Like, in and and the fighting scene, there's, like, little things that he, that I noticed. That I was like, that's good. Like, there's a moment where he takes Keith David's head and slams it against the ground. And then when Keith Davis is fighting later, you see his back of his head's all cut up. Like, mm-hmm. they legit, like, they, they paid attention to what they were doing. Yeah. And, like, it's really rough. <laughs> it's such a visceral fight scene. Mm-hmm. And they and they do the same fight scene. It's the cripple fight for uh, South Park. For South between Park, yeah. Timmy Vollmer and, uh, and Jimmy. And Jimmy and it's one of the greatest South Park scenes of all time and it is shot for shot the same exact thing but instead yeah. of put on the glasses it's put on the hat and it's a really interesting movie that there's so many things that were referenced in popular culture today that stem straight from that movie sure
0: it's I mean I remember playing like Duke Nukem and like
1: Quake with Quake the entire Duke Nukem like oh yeah it's is yeah. Roddy Piper's character is Duke Nukem it's basically yeah. what it is yeah. Duke Nukem 3D all the lines from Duke Nukem 3D is from they live and so like overall like or dislike? it's fine it's, it's fine it's You're not too. gonna be in there like it's not on my upper echelon of 80s movies I still prefer my Rocky 4 I prefer Predator. Are you kidding me? I prefer okay, I, I prefer running man over this because man I love I love Ooh, everything Schwarzenegger. Mm. I like I know you're this. more into your Carpenter movies. You John like Carpenter. John Carpenter, but I'm more into. Uh, can we have even more steroids in this movie? Like, if yeah. Keith David was also roided up, I probably would have liked it more. You know, he was pretty. He was pretty. Billy. He was pretty doughy. Um, so like, uh, but like, there's that gratuitous scene of Roddy sitting there with his shirt off. The yeah. guy is insanely is gratuitous. Huge. <laughs> yeah, why is he sitting there with his shirt he off? Could have no gone on longer. I think. he's insanely I always thought he was just kind of a small guy but I guess in the 80s in wrestling everybody was like 300 pounds of pure muscle because that's what he looks like but it it was good but like I don't think I'll ever find myself wanting to watch it again it was a movie where like it was it was entertaining but like
0: I know what your your challenge for next week is going to be Okay. You're going to watch they live one more time.
1: <laughs> no, please get... All right, so what are your quiz ready? questions? Yeah, I'm okay, ready.
0: Okay, first quiz question. You already got half of it right. Where mm-hmm. are the aliens from? I have a long quiz, six question quiz. Where six are the aliens questions. Yeah, get over it. Where are the aliens from and where are they not from? You already got the what... ain't from Cleveland,
1: so where are they from? They're not from Cleveland. They're from some type of planet where they go about and they basically consume. Mm-hmm. Each planet and move on. Okay, but I, I couldn't tell exactly where they originated from. That's the only thing I couldn't nah. figure out. I'll,
0: I'll give you half credit for this. Uh, it's Andromeda. It's actually mentioned. Uh, oh, it's from Andromeda. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so you get half credit for it. you got the Cleveland okay. one. I, I had Cleveland, to get that. I interview. heard that line. I was like, eh, you're, he's going to say yeah. that. Of course, you're Mr. Cleveland over here. Yeah. All right. What name did the aliens give to the plan that they had in place to kill the terrorists? Steel
1: Fist. Yes, Operation Steel Fist. I was doing that one, too. I I I heard that. I was like, oh, he's going to mention it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. I was like, he's going to mention it. I know he's going to mention it. Okay, so
0: you're 1.5 out of 2. Okay. All right, Justin. Yeah. What's the golden rule? Oh, what was the golden rule? Don't you dare Google anything.
1: No, I remember this. I remember this. Oh, I remember this. I remember hearing it. You don't.
0: Apparently, you don't. That's him. That's him right there. That little... He's, he's, he's trying to quietly type in...
1: What's no, the no, no. Rule ...into
0: his Google, his Google search bar.
1: I think Siri, it was... What's Keith, the da- golden Keith rule? David told him... ...the Golden Rule is mind your own business... ...and nothing uh, bad's going to happen. Something like that. Yeah. 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 That's incorrect.
0: Oh, God. The correct answer is... ...he who has the gold...
1: Makes, makes the, the rules. rules. Oh, come That's on! Right. I remember You were nowhere close. You were nowhere close it was to in that. the same conversation. You were nowhere close. Because he, grap- he was griping about the fact that the haves have all uh, and have nots uh, said Maybe if you ahead. watched it a second time, you would have gotten an the answer. <sighs> Obviously, I probably should. All right, so question yeah. four. Where's the worst place to drive? The worst place to drive? Uh-huh.
0: Man,
1: Whew. I don't Where is remember this one.
0: The worst place to drive.
1: The worst, worst place. To dri- Where is? We need like. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll give up. The middle of the road. Yeah, it's the middle of the road. No, Wait. he didn't say the middle of the road. He said the worst place to drive is over the white lines.
0: The worst drive. The worst place to drive is the middle of the road. Justin, you want? He come said with over
1: this? the white lines. Mm-hmm. I know, know for a fact. the script right now, my friend. No. You said script. the worst place to drive is over the white lines. Nope. Oh, it's I remember the road. that. Since you middle brought it up, you said it. over the white lines. Nope. We'll look it up and prove it to you later. Sorry, buddy. I'll take I'll the loss. I'll take the loss on that one. You, but you, I'm going to show it to you I, later. You're wrong.
0: Okay. Here we go. Since you're terrible at uh, at short answer questions, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Okay. Cool All right. Which of these insults is the best way to call someone ugly? Okay. A A formaldehyde face. That was a good one. B You need a Brazilian plastic surgeon. Uh-huh. Or C You look like your head fell in the cheese dip back in 1957.
1: Those are both good. I mean, those are all three There's good. three. It was all to the same woman too. Um I really liked formaldehyde face. But I'm going to have to mm. go with it looks like your face fell on the cheese dip. That
0: is the correct answer. That's the right, correct answer. Good. I really did
1: that. like from my face. That was a really good insult. Okay. I'm right. quoting
0: from the script. I don't bother nobody. Nobody bothers me. You should do the same. The line in the middle of the road. That's the worst place to drive. So I'm going to go ahead and give you partial credit. Because he okay, did say okay. the line. It okay. wasn't over the line. but similar. So I'm going to
1: give you half half credit. For All right, this. So that puts me in a full credit for the first one. So you got a so got got three three total points. of
0: one... Two points. Now you got a third for this. You're three out of five so far. Going into okay. questions. All right, here we go. It separates the here men from the
1: boys. This is a difference between a D and a, a D okay. and a F. All right, here you go. Ready? What does daddy
0: not like?
1: Daddy don't. Oh, is it daddy don't like no tattletales? That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> correct. That's <laughs> the daddy... dumbest line. It was the point. dumbest line. I feel that's like a they're like. I understand. feel like they were like, "Hey, uh, Piper, just say whatever you want." And I uh, know. And what we'll came just, from it is we'll genius, keep it. absolute genius. It's Everything. Such, was genius. There's so many weird lines in that movie it's where so I'm like, good. "I bet you Jeff's just like, yeah, that's what I was this doing. This how I want to live my life." I love, I love John
0: Carpenter's like cheesy 1980s stuff. So cheesy, so good. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> Like, Big Either Trouble Little lose China, a like, it's, lose a feather. Oh, come it's on.
1: clearly to a point where it's satire in Big Trouble Little China, right? Well, yeah. Maybe I mean, all John Carpenter's movies are just comedies and we just don't know. No, I don't think the thing is funny. The thing is hilarious if you really think about it. It's really not. All it's right.
0: Pretty, it's pretty awful, actually. So,
1: we both got four out of this one, even though you had.
0: I was four years out of four, I so I got 100%. Yeah. You got four Damn. to six, you got a 66% repeating. Yeah,
1: I guess so. so Listen, that's a D, right? You get, D's a D. get degrees. it's passing. It's passing, Yeah.
0: But yeah. All
1: right, you ready for new challenges? Absolutely. Okay, so
0: the question to answer one from your quiz was, they are from Andromeda and uh-huh. they ain't from Cleveland, which transitions into your challenge for this week. Do I get to watch Major League? I would like you to watch- Major League. The first two episodes of the kevin sorbo science fiction drama andromeda oh god which can be found on amazon prime oh yeah <laughs> first two episodes shoot. i don't want just one after two hours and four i have minutes to watch... of having to read subtitles you're re- you're watching two episodes
1: i have to watch post hercules sorbo dude that show is so good oh, andromeda is so good God. okay all right, all right. what do i got so I was flipping through the Netflix recently, trying to sure. find something to torture you with. Okay. And um, I've been getting suggestions from my brother and stuff. I'll have to get them later. But I saw one I was going through. Which brother, Jeremy? Uh, or Chad? Jeremy. Jeremy's like, you gotta, you gotta. I got. I got a couple of movies I need you to have okay. him watch longer. Right. So <laughs> I like how uh, I'm just the testing ground to see yeah, if yeah, you, yeah. you want to watch a movie. Okay. All right. <laughs> so. Uh, I was flipping through it, and I saw, like, the preview. Because then you go on those Netflix shows, like, they show you, like, a small little preview in the background. And it is a 2017 film called Revolt. I have no idea what it's about. Okay. But the o, Probably and, a revolt. Yeah, the Owen Revolt has a lightning bolt through it, so it looks pretty solid. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be terrible. And I look forward to actually... Hearing your review on it, so it
0: is on my uh, is on my my list. All right, uh, it's, it's got Lee Pace from Pushing Daisies. That's okay. how I'll always remember remember him. People remember him in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I remember him as the Pie Maker. Okay. In Pushing Daisies. Okay. All right. So All right. That, that's my challenge to you. Let's do it. Sounds okay. good. All right, man. We're getting to the end of the episode. It's time to tell people where they can find us on the web. Uh, so you can find us up on Twitter at Lollygagger Co. Uh, that's L O L L Y G A G G E R C O. You can also find us online at lollygaggerco.com. We are now available on Stitcher and Google Play Music and Spotify and YouTube and iTunes is currently pending, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Justin also like a is a professional move, streamer. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're making making pretty common moves for any podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Justin is a professional streamer, and lately, uh, the two of us actually have been on because we've been uh, we've been liberating homesteads in Montana, right? I mean, in our far. Crazy uh,
1: redneck cultists. Have we? I don't
0: liberating know. Liberating the so, world. We're so apparently high on whatever drug she's given us that we, we could just be shooting buckets. For You're right.
1: Own. So where Look, can I'm find saving you, the Justin? world. <laughs> where can they find uh, you online? Twitch.tv slash It's J-E-H-O-O-F-A-H. I'm on there most nights and just usually have Friday and Saturday. Have Saturday we do this and Friday I like to do some stuff with my wife. So most okay. every other night I'm doing something though. So come by and watch me anytime right on
0: all right man so with that out of the way i think it's time we say a little thank you to the the people who made this week's episode possible
1: made it ready for this i'm ready
0: all right man i my first one to the fries grocery shopper who left their open starbucks frappuccino bottle in the top shopping basket in a stack full of baskets spilling frappuccino on every single last one thank you for your thoroughness
1: I want to thank all the electrical boxes in my classroom for shorting out when I was trying to make a pancake lab for my class so they actually enjoy time in geometry every once in a while. You make my life difficult every day, school. Thank you so much. I'd
0: like to send this one out to Balloons. You last for days, you get stuck in my ceiling fans, you provide endless hours of excitement and anxiety for my dog when I'm not there,
1: specifically the shimmery metallic kind thank you and I'd also like to give a legitimate thank you to my wife for not slapping me during our adventure of unlock <laughs> the game uh and having a ton of patience and not just walking out of the room saying that she's done uh I love you and thank you Aww. thank you everybody